Today we wrap up the series of messages that we've been in for the last six weeks. So this is message number seven. And as a church, we've been asking, what's next? What's next for Centerpoint Christian Church? This fall, we'll celebrate our 15th birthday as a church. And we're saying, where are we going next? God, what do you have next for the body of Centerpoint Christian Church? And I've been on this journey, as many of you know, has started this church, and we were in a little garage that was a machine shop, and, and we continue, we're asking, what's next? When do we take the next step, God? From the days of doing simple pool parties, meeting people, and putting in uh, some incense so that garage didn't smell whenever we met to get rid of some of the oil smell, to now taking the step to go to Metalthorpe elementary school for six plus years, saying what's next and when, God, when do we move to building this building that we sit in today, saying, God, when's the day? What do we do? Then we said, God, what's next? What's next? What's next? What do you want us to do? And then as we put the addition on last year and added that, this may, believe it or not, the addition has been open for a year. And now we're saying, God, what's next? There's all these homes around us. There's all this new development. There's all these new streets. God, how do we minister? How do we reach people? How do we carry the message of Christ into our communities, into our neighborhoods? God, what's next? What does that look like? For years 16 and years 17, years 18, I'll carry us into probably 19 and 20. God, what do you want us to do? But here's the challenge we face. I don't want us to do what Brian thinks we should do. I don't want us to do what Jack thinks we should do, or Tim thinks we should do, or Aaron thinks we should do, or any of the teenagers think we should do. I want us to do what the Lord wants us to do. Now, of course, the challenge is how well can we listen and here, because it comes out of our mouth. So sometimes we'll go, well, that's Brian's idea. No, we're, we're, we're trying together to listen to the Spirit of God, and our measuring stick is Jesus Christ. So for the last six weeks, we've been looking at Jesus Christ, what's his passions, what's his priorities, what were his purposes, and we look at Jesus, and then we hold Jesus up as the standard, and we say, how are we doing? How am I doing as an individual when I compare myself to Jesus' standards, how are we doing as a church when we look at Jesus' standards? So we've talked about the kingdom of God and his heart towards the kingdom of God, the church here on earth. We talk about Jesus being the evangelist, that he even went out and shared the message of God the Father. We talked about the idea of being disciple makers, that when someone comes to Christ, they commit to Christ, then we walk with them and we help them grow in Christ. And how we take them from being a, a baby in Christ to maturing in Christ and then helping other people to mature in Christ. What does that look like? How did Jesus do that? We talked about leadership. Leadership and how did Jesus lead? And Jesus led from being a servant, and there was no other way he led other than he got what? He stopped and washed feet. He took that role of being a servant to guide people towards what? A relationship with the Father God. How did Jesus transform communities? What did he do when he looked at a community and saw a community that was hurting? And so then last week we talked about how he helped the hurting, and as we help the hurting, then communities are transformed. Being driven by love. Because we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength, and what? Love our neighbor as ourself. And so this is a, a goal, a striving towards how do we as a church get better at loving God? How do we as a church get better at loving people? And what does that look like for a congregation that's getting ready to turn 15 years old? Now let me remind you of a very important event that's taking place this evening, Dreams Unlimited at 5 p.m., we're having a brainstorming and a sharing time here tonight. There's a meal 
We're going to take care of all the kids after the meal. All the kids will go to the kids' areas, and adults will gather in this room. There's about 100 people, give or take, that have signed up. If you haven't signed up, you can still come. We'll somehow divide food, make sure we have enough. We'll always have plenty of food. Come tonight and share with us and brainstorm with us and dream with us and pray with us about what's next as we put this together and think through this towards the fall. Now, here's the deal. If we are truly going to be the kingdom of God here on earth, the church, and we're really going to accomplish what God has for us, if, we're, if we are going to be really honest and really dive in, and I, and I hope we're doing this together, we're really asking God, what's next? And as we as a congregation unveil and reveal what we feel like God's guiding us in, the next challenge that we're going to face is how committed are we to the call? Are we really going to be committed? Because it's, it's pretty easy to talk about ideas. It's pretty easy to dream, have all these crazy ideas and think, okay, that sounds good. And, and I've been on a journey before in organizations and churches where you put those kind of plans together and they end up in a file cabinet somewhere because probably we weren't fully committed. And so today I want to talk about this idea, church, that if we're going to really do this, we must be committed. If we're going to lead the way that Jesus led, if we're going to truly be the church, the kingdom of God, if we're going to really reach out and evangelize, if we are going to be serious about making disciples, if we really want to transform our community, if we really want to help those who are hurting, we must be committed. We, we must raise the commitment level in all of us and say, I'm ready to step up. I'm ready to make it happen. We can't ask what's next, pray for God's direction, seek his direction, and then kind of say, yeah, God, we were just playing playing a game. Because that's what will be interpreted if we say we really want to know, and God, we hear your voice, and we see where you're leading, but nah, we're not really going to go for it. I don't think God wants Center Point Christian to be church to be that kind of congregation. I believe that when he called my wife and I to to plant Centerpoint 15 years ago. And I believe it for the last 15 years, and I'll believe it as long as God has me in this role of preaching and teaching and pastoring a church, that the church is supposed to make an impact in the world. We're not supposed to just play games with the church. It's not supposed to be just a holy huddle of Christians coming together, singing some songs, hearing some messages, and going home and saying, well, wasn't that fun? Didn't that feel good? That's not what the church is about. And so we, church, have to decide how committed are we going to be to the cause and to the call that Christ lays upon us. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, as we just kind of dive in and look at this from Jesus' perspective, Jesus is on a great search for people and churches who will make an unswerving commitment to follow him who say, I will not dive away from following Jesus. He will be number one priority. Look at the text with me in Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit 
for service in the kingdom of God. This conversation that Jesus is having with these two men, it's all about commitment. It's all about how committed are you. And I see that Jesus gives three challenges in, the, in our text today. Challenge number one is he's basically asking the question, are you involved or are you committed? A big difference, church. Am I involved or am I committed? The first man in passage makes a very powerful and profound promise to Jesus that he would follow him wherever he went. Wherever you go, I'll follow you. And I believe the man was sincere in his his statement. I, I think he wanted to follow Jesus, and he wanted to be part of what Jesus was doing, and he probably wanted to make a difference. And all these things are good, and they they might motivate some of us here this morning, but I want to be very clear on something with us. Something of great importance. The desire to serve must also be coupled with the right reason for serving. I think he wanted to be involved in the process. I think he wanted to be involved in what Jesus was doing because it was kind of a a good thing. It seems that the man described here was willing to be involved with the ministry of Jesus, and there's nothing wrong with that. that. The other fact that Jesus was looking, though, for something more. He wanted more than just involvement. Jesus was looking for total and full commitment He's saying, are you going to be totally sold out to this? Not partial commitment, not just say I was part of the gang. In other words, not just to say, well, I was part of Center Point Christian Church. Yeah, that's my church. No, am I fully engaged? Am I fully tied into my walk with Jesus? And am I fully giving all I can? It's been said that there's a difference between involvement and commitment. It's like an eggs and ham breakfast. The chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. Ponder on that one for a moment. You know what I'm talking about. The sad reality is that most people settle for being involved and not really being committed. And that's not just in the church. That's in many organizations. That's in many businesses. Well, I'm involved, but how committed? See, the joke about the chicken and the pig is funny, but how close to home does it hit when we honestly look at the commitments that we've made in our lives? See, Jesus Christ died on a cross. Today is Palm Sunday. He enters in Jerusalem. He was fully committed. He knew it was going to take place at the end of the week. He could have turned and said, let's go another direction. He had a choice. He wasn't a puppet on a string. He was talking to his dad all the time, early in the morning, getting up and talking. Dad, what's going on? Why are we doing this? Listen, son, here's where you're going to go. Here's the plan. And at the beginning of the week, they're going to love you. By the end of the week, they're going to want to crucify you. What? Can I do it some other way? Matter of fact, you remember the prayer? He actually prayed and said, Dad, come on, is there another way to do this? Dad, I mean, I, I, there's got to be another way. Man, can, can we sacrifice some more animals or can't we do something else? I mean, can't we pay, their, pay for the price and some way put some money forward? And, and he said, but if not your will, then, or not my will, but your, your will be done. He could have turned and ran. He could have turned and said, I'm done. And how many of us have said, I believe in Jesus Christ. I commit my life to him. I enter the watery grave of baptism. I receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And we kind of go, well, yeah, now I'm in the church. Cool. We do that all the time. And we're all guilty in some way or another. It's like, yeah, I kind of put my toe in the water, so to speak. I didn't really jump in fully. I'm just a, I'm a little bit involved, and I want to be involved. But am I really committed that I'm willing to give my whole life to it? No, because stop and look at all the other things of importance in life. And then we go, well, I'll do some ministry. I'll be involved in the church when I can. 
See, there's a massive difference between being involved and being committed. Being involved means that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, as long as you want whatever you feel like doing. And feelings so many times misdirect us. I didn't feel like doing that today. Well, if you're committed, you get over your feelings. If you're committed, you overcome the excuses. An old baseball coach used to say that uh, an excuse is of a skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. We come with all kinds of excuses why we don't commit. Commitment means that you are at the call of Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Whether you're, whether you're in a paid role or a volunteer role, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Jesus, I'm your servant. Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to work right now. But I want to serve you, and if you put my direction this way, I'll follow that. You put my direction this way, I'll follow it. You put, give me this direction, I'll go that way. See, to make the decision of just being involved, and it's a decision, is one that creates a system of cheating. When you start, you know, you start making a decision, well, I just kind of hang around the church. I'm just going to kind of be involved, but I'm really not going to get fully committed. Then we cheat God of giving him our very best. And he created us for us to give him our very best. We cheat others of what we have to offer. We say, I'm not going to bring my gifts to the table. Then we're stealing and cheating from them. And we cheat ourselves the blessing of Christ that comes only when we've become committed. God wants to bless us abundantly. We miss out on it many times. Because we hold back our commitment. Too often we settle for being involved in the work of Christ and never actually make the commitment to it. See, commitment was Jesus is looking for in all of our lives. He, he wants us to have the desire to serve Him, and not just on Sunday. Man, this what we do on Sunday mornings is so needed, at the same time can be such a distraction to us thinking we're really committed. Well, preacher, I'm, I'm there a lot. I'm, I'm at church. Man, I, I'm at worship. I mean, I, I'm there. But what do we do Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday? How are we walking with Him? I mean, this is just an example from this church. You make a decision to show up on Sunday morning, and that is your limit of commitment. You'll never truly grow to the depth that God has desired for you. You won't get there. If your commitment is, I come on Sunday, and let me just add to that, if your commitment is, well, Brian, I, I go to church, and I'm in a group. I'm in a growth group or a ladies group or a prayer group. I'm doing two things. You still won't get there until he is a number one. Why do I say this? It takes giving yourself to the work of ministry, the work of Christ, to grow in Him. It takes a desire to study and to know the Word of God, to become deeper with your walk with Him. It takes a desire to put your priorities in line with God's priority. This means that He is first and foremost in your life. You know how to tell if He is? Look at your calendar and look at your checkbook. You'll know. You say, well, how do I know that? Okay, well, for instance, I confession, my taxes aren't turned in yet. We're running out of time. I'll get it by midnight tomorrow. We're going to get there. But I was running all the numbers yesterday. You know what I learned I was committed to? My house payment. Because regularly that thing is paid every other week. You know what I learned I was committed to? My electric bill. Every month, the 15th or 16th, my electric bill is paid. You know what else I found I was committed to? Air filters in my house. They get shipped every other month and they get replaced. 
Because I was looking at the budget, and I was looking at the dollars, and where I spend dollars, I go, I'm committed. You know what else I found I was committed to? God and his kingdom. Because I looked at my tithing statement. I said, okay, God, I see where I'm at. I see what I need to be doing a little bit better with this year. See, when you look at your dollars, you know this is what I'm committed to. You put your dollars down on a piece of paper and analyze how many times you've been going to McDonald's or Starbucks. Some of you are holding that in your hand right now. You're like, oh, man, let's hide that. <laughs> Fast food, whatever it is. Look at your restaurant expense. Look at your grocery bill. You know, hey, what I'm committed to. You also know about your health just by looking at what you're buying. Look at your calendar. You know you're committed to what? Your work. Because you get up and you go, man, this is my calendar for work. Rather, you can look at it or you just have to size it up. I go to work. These are my hours. You know what you're committed to. Look at your schedule of where you're spending your extracurricular activity. At the ball field, at the band practice, at this event, at that event. Where's your time with God in there? Is God scheduled on your calendar? Do you have time where you meet with God? And you can look at your calendar and go, yeah, God and I, we have meeting every day. You want to get serious, God, put them on your calendar. Say, God, you and I have an appointment. You know, you're committed to a meeting because whenever you have a meeting, and you guys do this with me, some of you are so computer uh, good, you know, you'll send me a message. Can we meet? Yeah, we'll meet. Also, I'll get this little Google message. Hey, there's been a meeting scheduled for you. I'm like, what? Who's scheduling stuff? If I hit accept, it goes to my calendar. So you all schedule meetings with people. Why not schedule meetings with God? Show that you're committed, and you'll know by your own schedule and by your own pocketbook where you're committed. Being committed means we must get our priorities in the right order. We must get our priorities in the right order. That's the second challenge. See, the second man is called to follow Jesus, but asked to go and bury his father. Now, the response we see here almost makes Jesus seem cruel because Jesus says to let the dead bury their own dead. What's going on here? See, probably the man's, life was, the, the man's father was still alive. Because the man's really not asking, can I go back and attend my father's funeral? The man is really asking like, hey, there's really nothing wrong but caring for my family because my family's a gift from God. And, and you know, I just want to go take care of the family first. And then once the family's all taken care of, and then once dad passes, Jesus, then I'll come follow you. And Jesus knew that. And Jesus kept driving the issue of priority. Jesus trying to say, listen, what's more important Am I more important or is your family more important? Man, that's a tough question. Who's more important? Who do you love more? Do you love your wife more? Or do you love God more? Do you love your husband more? Or do you love God more? Do you love your kids more? Or do you love God more? Do you love your work or do you love God more? See, priority. And when we get our priorities out of line, life really starts getting messed up and Jesus is challenging the priorities of the people. And Jesus wanted the man to understand the urgent nature of this mission. An urgent, an urgent nature. Jesus came to this world to save us from the power of sin and death and the mission of the church should be the same to reach a lost and dying world with the message of Jesus and we don't know when he's going to return. The scripture tells us we have no idea the hour or the minute and so we should be on purpose all the time and go, this has got to be a high priority in my life. A lot of times we stop and think, oh, he's coming one day. Oh, I've heard that before. In our short little window of 50, 70, 80 years of life, we think, well, it's been a while. When's he actually coming? He's going to return. Scripture promises He is coming back. But sometimes we just get so busy, so busy in life that 
sharing the gospel, telling people about Jesus, oh, that'll happen one day. I was talking with uh, Jason Harris yesterday. He had two funerals this week to go to. Both younger people immediately just lost their lives. We don't know. We don't know when our time is coming. We don't know when a friend's time is coming. And so we should be urgent about sharing the message of Jesus. Jesus wanted the man to understand that there was an urgency to winning lost people. It's an urgency that we as a church must take this seriously as we go, God, what's next? And be urgent about our work. Because if we're truly going to follow Christ, we must get our hands dirty in outreach. There's a lost and dying world that needs the hope of Jesus Christ. You say, how do you know that for sure? Look at all the pains and the hurts around us. Look at all the turmoils and the challenges around us. Our greatest problem in the church today is that we have misplaced our focus on the programs and policy instead of placing our focus on ministry and people. We have got to be a church that is focused on the community and people. See, if we fail to reach people with the message of God, Beyond the church here being affected, what really matters is we're failing God. We fail to take that message and live that out seriously, then we're failing God's call and mission on our lives. So we need to take that seriously. The last lesson I see from Jesus in our text is the fact that we must keep our focus. We've got to keep our focus. It's so easy to get distracted. The third man that comes to Jesus makes a reasonable request to go back and say goodbye to his family. And Jesus makes a statement that sounds, again, rather harsh when he tells him the man that he is not fit to follow. And why does he say this? See, the obvious uh, first in the man's life. Notice what the man says to Jesus. He says, first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. That wasn't like, let me pop over there, say goodbye, and Jesus, I'll be there in two minutes. They, they had a, a routine and a tradition that if they were going to be going on some kind of mission or leaving the area, they would go back and a, and a goodbye would be party after party, and it would take weeks and sometimes months to say goodbye before they took off to go across country. Because again, their traveling across country wasn't like jumping in a car or airplane. And they knew they were going to be gone for a long time. So he was basically saying, Jesus, I want to follow you eventually. Let me go and have some fun, say goodbye to some people. And then I'll catch up to you, so to speak. And Jesus is like, no, you don't understand the urgency. You don't get it. You've lost your focus. See, we are often guilty of this very act. Far too many times we allow something or someone to draw us away from a deeper relationship with Christ. What might be in the way? We sometimes allow family commitments to draw us away from the church. I mean, just stop and think. How many times have you said, I can't be part of that ministry because I've got this commitment with family, friends, sports, Extracurricular activities, you fill in the blank. Can't do it. We're saying we've lost our focus. We're saying those things at that moment have a higher priority than God and His church. We sometimes allow work to draw us from the Bible. Sometimes it's activities. And then there's a farewell that was more simple than a goodbye. See, that, that custom, that prolonged goodbye, the festivities and parties are like, I'd rather go party it up a little bit, God. I'd rather go have some fun. How many times do that? Well, down the road, I'll get more serious with you, God. Uh, When I'm a little bit older, I'll really get serious about this stuff. But right now, I'm young. I want to live life. I want to enjoy it. I want to have some fun. And then I'll catch up down the road. Jesus said, that is a total loss of focus. We're, We're much like this man because we're sometimes too focused on other things and we 
lose focus of following Jesus. I believe that we should take a careful look at everything that we do and say, am I really following Jesus? Am I really committed to him or am I just playing a game? We gain his presence. We gain his peace. We gain his power when we're fully engaged. Luciano Pavarotti tells a story about how he made the choice to be a singer, famous opera singer. And you see right there that quote that says, I think a life in music is a life beautifully spent, and this is what I have devoted my life to. Let me ask you, what have you devoted your life to? For him, it was music. For him, I've given my life to music. This is the most important thing in my life. And at one time, he was wrestling between, is it music or is it going to be a teacher? What am I going to do? Went to school for both. He learned both trades, being a teacher and doing music. And he went to his dad and said, "What, Dad, how do I decide this? And he talks to his dad about this. And at a very young age, his dad says to him, if you try to sit on two chairs, you'll fall between them both. For life, you must choose one chair. One chair. He obviously chose one chair. He's the world's renowned opera singer. What one chair will you choose? And for many of us in today's world, it's not just one. There's three or four or five chairs. And I try to bounce from this chair to that chair to this chair to this chair and that chair and that chair. It's absolutely impossible to live a Christian life without having a complete commitment to following Christ. That he is a number one. See, commitment is the key. John Maxwell said, until I am committed, there is a hesitancy, a chance to draw back. But the moment I definitely commit myself, then God moves also, and a whole stream of events erupts. All manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, persons, and material assistance which come my way begin to flow toward me. The moment I make a commitment. Church, are we going to be committed? Tonight we have our dream event. From the dream event, we'll gather information and we'll start to design and figure out, all right, God, where do you want us to go as we head towards the fall? Jesus is on a search for people. He's on a search for churches who will commit. I wonder, can he find us among them? Will he find you among them? Will he look down and say, those people who are part of Centerpoint, they're committed to the cause.